Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What's up, everybody? Before we launch into today's episode, we have a very exciting announcement. We here at the Command Zone are hiring. That's right. If you've ever dreamed of turning your love of Magic the Gathering and Commander into a career, if you want to work with uh, creative professionals in a fast-paced environment that's really rewarding, if you're creative, ambitious, hardworking, passionate, we want you on our team. And one thing, Jimmy, is mm-hmm. that's really cool, I think, is we have a lot of positions open, and it's all the way from people who are entry-level with no experience to people with uh, that are experts in their field that oh, have a perfect. lot of experience. We, we yeah. want people all along that spectrum. I think this is a really cool place to work. Uh, hopefully, you would agree. Yeah, I think so. It's been one of the best parts of my life for the last seven years. And if you're looking for a way to get into showbiz, the entertainment industry, online content creation, there is no better place. We very much look forward to seeing seeing everyone's applications. Yeah. So that uh, link is collected.company slash jobs. The link will be in the show notes, so you don't have to memorize it or anything. Mm -hmm. But please, if you're interested, if you want to join our team, follow that link, apply for one of the positions or multiple positions, and uh, hopefully we're talking to you very soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Let's get on with the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. And I'm another DJ. And the third host here is this wonderful computer that we look at cards. I'm just kidding. Uh, our uh, job today is to bring you uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the third part of our main set review, cards that go into the 99. We've covered everything else, white, blue, black, red, and now we just have green, multicolored, and colorless. So a lot more cards to get through, but really interesting stuff. This set, I've been really impressed by it so far. I, I like the power level, not too crazy, and white got some new staples. I know. I like the way that you get some really cool cards for very narrow strategies. Yeah. And I really like that. Let's see what green and all of these other multicolored and colorless cards can bring to our commander. Yeah, decks. and there's some spicy ones. And of course, you're going to want to pick up those spicy cards before everyone else. So you can be the first person to flex at the table. So head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Look, you want to buy cards, you're going to get them anyway. Card Kingdom has everything you need all the way from the playmats. You can get the sleeves as well as the actual cards themselves. Just use that affiliate link, type it in. You're on the site, the exact same experience. But now you get the comfort of knowing you're also supporting this show. And of course, Ultra Pro, another one of our sponsors. 
sponsors. Right now, we actually have an amazing Ultra Pro Kickstarter out for a new deck box. It may actually be over at this point. Maybe not. If, if it is, well, too bad you missed it. If it isn't, make sure you head to the link below in the show notes and head, hit it up. It's an awesome deck box. can hold two 100-card sleeves, and you want to put your bid in and get that Kickstarter going. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on this an yeah, exclusive item. We already printed them, so it's a limited supply. Like, yes. It's not like we can just be like, oh, let's just make more. No, like they are made, and made. you miss out on it, if they're sold out, you don't get them. Yeah, big thanks to Ultra Pro as well for providing high-quality products that we can put our names behind. And finally... Last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. We shout out one lucky patron every week. You also get to watch episodes of Game Nights and Extra Turns early. We got a bunch of great episodes coming up. So this episode is dedicated, dedicated to, to Danny Montgomery. Danny. You rock. Thanks, Danny. Thanks. Okay, let's get right into it. Again, if you want to see the other set review episodes that are up on our channel, make sure you check them out. Uh, this is going to be, again, green, multicolored, and colorless. So we'll start off with probably the banger of the set right now. It's <laughs> the first green card we're going to talk about. It's very good. DJ, take it away. Circle of Dreams Druid. Green, green, green for a 2-1 creature elf druid. You can tap it to add green for each creature you control. Oh, blamma. But also, look at that art. I know. The art is spectacular. I looked at it and I was immediately like, oh my gosh, I love this art. And it like it harkens back to Re Rebecca Gay. Yeah. And actually this is done by Sam Gay. Yeah, but they're not related. They're not related. They but just have the same last name. Amazing. But he's also her protege. Oh. The gay protege. Wow, that's incredible. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? The art is beautiful on this, but more importantly, this is Gaia's cradle on a creature. Not just any creature, but an elf, which is also the biggest mana producers when it mm -hmm. comes to green, and they have so many different synergies. Wow, this is insane. Now, of course, paying three green mana for this is much different than playing it on the land, but that doesn't seem to matter a lot of times because having a functional reprint of Guy's Cradle on the creature is baller it's yeah. amazing it's it's really cool i think that we it, we're going to be setting a lot of people up for disappointment though if we <laughs> say that it's close to guy's cradle because you just mentioned it's like it's really different when it's on a land right mm -hmm. and so being on a creature means that you play it you have to wait you a know, turn you have to wait a Typically, turn yeah. in order to activate it uh and green 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 is significant so it's not like you can immediately sort of sort of get it going yeah uh but it does tap for itself typically if guys cradles on the battlefield and you have no creatures it just taps for nothing mm -hmm. but the circle of dreams true that will always see itself so you're always adding at least one mana but i mean look in, in an elf deck, you're playing turn war, land war elves, turn two, circle of dreams, druid, turn three, another creature. And this thing taps for three, four mana by turn three or four. Uh, yeah, I think that it will definitely tap for, for three or four mana. And I think that it'll let you ramp into bigger things. I think that there's a lot of decks that really want this. Um, but I'm wondering uh, how, <laughs> how good is it? Like, we have Llanowar Tribe. Right, which is know, also green, green, green. Green, green, green. Add three, three. Green, green, green. Add green, green, green. <laughs> so, and remember, people, I liked Llanowar Tribe. Do you like Llanowar Tribe? Yeah, yeah. But people weren't freaking out about it. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I think that this is a little bit better than Llanowar Tribe and, and closer to that card rather than closer to Gaius Cradle. So yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot of hype about it, and I do think it's quite good, but um, I don't think it's going to perform like a lot of the people that are their minds are being blown. You know yeah, what I mean? you're going to need a, a haste enabler to really maximize the use out of a card like Untappers. this. Untappers. Untappers, yeah. really great. And there's lots of them in the Elfin clan. Uh, there's Seeker of Skybreak. Wirewood Lodge is a land that untaps it. Wire 
Starwood Symbiote is another card that you can just untap a card like this. And once you're tapping a card like this for five mana twice, you get 10 mana in that single turn. You are really off to the races. That's at that point, you can Crater Hoof. At that point, you can yeah. play Terastodon. There's a lot of different things you can do with that much mana in green. I think that this is a good comparison to Priest of Titania, which taps for green for the amount of elves that you control. Right. You know what I mean? And Priest of Titania is awesome. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. So, so we can see that this has a lot of really, really strong comparisons. And you just mentioned ways to totally break it open. Mm -hmm. So, so and win the game with slam it on the spot. Slam yeah. Dunk. So, I, I believe if you see this at the table, um, it's probably remove on site, especially if you know that the person person is going to untap and have access to seven or more mana with this. It's one of those creatures, and it's a two one, so it's not crazy hard to kill. But this is definitely uh, a magnet for removal, and it and it should be. Uh, so if, it, cool. if it's allowed to go off and be untouched, it's going to generate a lot of mana, especially in the decks that are going to be playing it. Token decks, uh, elf green decks, weenie decks, you know elf I mean? decks. The yeah. wide so decks, that kind of there's stuff. There's going to be a lot of mana generation there. But again, it's a creature. So that is a big downside in a lot of different ways. Still... Good to see it happen. I'm putting in my decks. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, putting in my deck. For sure. Okay, let's talk about our next card. It is the Planeswalker of the green colors. There's one mythic Planeswalker for each of the colors, and this one is Eliwick Tumblestrum. Two green green for a legendary Planeswalker with four loyalty. Uh, her plus one is Venture into the Dungeon, so you can enter into the first room of any of the three available dungeons or advance to the next room. Her minus two, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. If it's legendary, you gain three life. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And finally, the minus seven, the ultimate, you get an emblem with creatures you control have trample and haste. They also get plus two, plus two for each differently named dungeon you've completed. So Ooh. if you complete three dungeons, they get plus six, plus six on top of Trample and Haste. Completing three dungeons, though, is pretty, it's a pretty big feat. Yeah, a really big feat. Even completing one dungeon is going to take you the course of two, three turns, maybe. Um, so this is a slam dunk in any deck that plays dungeons that wants to move dungeons, right? Yes, in the dungeon deck, this is a card that is obviously great. However, it's a Planeswalker that doesn't protect itself at all unless the dungeon you're going into mm. has you making like a 1-1 one, one Goblin or a Skeleton or whatever those are like pre Yeah, are. and that's not that's not on every room. That's, you yep. have to be pretty lucky about the room you get. Yeah. Um, so is this just a dungeon commander? Can you have no other dungeon synergies and just be like, okay, the plus one is scry one. The plus one is create a treasure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like four mana to look at the top six cards of your library to get a creature is okay and gaining three life if it's legendary is totally not a sort of like an impactful thing to do so four mana for that effect well i don't know there's a lot of yeah i know you're thinking now about all the ways that like green can ancient stirrings is a way that does it for one green mana and it's not as you know deep but it's still this is a, there are a ton of cards that can do this effect so Eliwick does seem very specific niched into the dungeon deck because yeah. you don't want to just have a card in your deck that just ventures into the dungeon once because guess what the first rooms of all the dungeons do not do much so yeah, green has a lot of ways for this amount of mana to be able to just get whatever creature you want. And yeah. there are even other planeswalkers that might do other things, but also be able to get uh, creatures as well. So like uh, Vivian Champion of the Wilds also has a downtick that searches pretty deep. And this comes down at three mana and has other relevant abilities, giving your creatures flash. Yeah, you know? that's pretty good. Eliwick doesn't do any of that. And then finally, Vivian Monsters Advocate lets you play cards off the top of your library and also straight up minus twos to let you tutor out another creature when you cast one like that's real that's the real power search. level is so much better than eliwick so again eliwick is just in that dungeon deck
Yeah, I don't think you're playing this otherwise. Yeah, dungeon matters. That's where where it belongs. Otherwise, yeah. I think that it's going to be you know not. It's as... a cute card though, and I I do enjoy. And I maybe I want to build a five color dungeon deck. Unfortunately, the dungeon commander is Sephiris, who is an Esper, so that's not going to work really well with green. There are some green dungeony things. There are. Too. There are. Yeah. All right. But let's talk about the next one. It's <laughs> Frog Hemoth. Wow. Three green green for a four four frog horror. I'm horrified. <laughs> Trample and haste. Whenever Frog Hemoth deals combat damage to a player, exile up to up to that many target cards from their graveyard. Put a plus one plus one counter on Frog Hemoth for each creature card exiled this way. You gain one life for each non-creature card exiled this way. Okay, so let's see how this plays out. It's a five mana trample haste. And the haste is really important here because you want to be able to attack someone, hit them for four, and then exile up to four cards from their graveyard in that case. And if Rakimuth exiles four creature cards, it becomes an 8-8 eight, eight and gets okay. even bigger. That's pretty good because then you hit again uh, or you hit someone else and you're more likely to get damage through because it has trample. Yeah, people are not more things. incentivized to block trample creatures or chump them either because the damage is still going to happen. Um, but... It's not a great way to get rid of graveyards. There's a bunch of different ways to get graveyard hate. And I think that this is definitely a clunky way because it, every time I look at a card, I ask myself how many things need to happen for it to start being good and doing the thing it is. This is cast a creature spell, almost a gimme. People are not, rarely going to counter something five like drop, this. Five drop, though, by the way. Five drop, yep. Pretty, pretty You big. want your five drops to be pretty powerful in Commander. Has to go be able to attack and deal damage. So that means on when it first comes out, 4-4 four, four is sort of like the baseline. So that is also like a, a question mark because yeah, by turn five, maybe everyone has a blocker or maybe just people have death touchers that you want to put this in front of. And then finally, do you have a graveyard that you want to exile specifically a few cards from? Trample and Haste does help with that attacking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you definitely want to hit creatures. And I don't think that at this point in the game, if you're ramping this out where you want to be, I don't think there's going to be four creatures in your graveyard unless you're playing against a very specific type of deck. Yeah. And generally, right, targeted graveyard hate is good, uh, but... Usually it's like on an instant or yeah. a sorcery or an artifact or so, a land that doesn't require you to hit them and have damage be dealt. Yeah, so this is not graveyard hate that disrupts your opponent. It's incidental graveyard hate. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if I'm trying to combat your graveyard strategy, I need to be able to answer it when I need to. In response through, to you. Exactly. Right. Yeah, not yeah, jump yeah. through hoops with a frog. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally hop through hoops, <laughs> I guess, through at hoops. that point. Darn it. I missed it. I don't think this thing's hopping anytime soon. It looks a little too heavy to do that. It, it does. It does. Well, here's the question, though. Would you rather have this or a scavenging ooze? Something else uh, that interacts with the graveyard, that has plus one, plus one counters, and gains life. I'm always surprised that scavenging ooze isn't played more because it has the ability to be like, hey, you want to target, uh, you have a reanimate targeting that thing. You're like, well, let me get rid of it with the scavenging ooze for one green mana. I think that's much more powerful. It's an instant speed interaction. Frog Hemoth sits in a bad spot because, man, you could just play another five drop that's way better in green and... Unfortunately, as awesome it is, I think you're looking for, at this case, a tribal synergy or a fun card for a flavor win. Oh, I do think to it's be fun. playing Frog Hemoth in your decks. Yeah. Otherwise, play Elder Gargaroth. That's a card that will get you value. Okay. Next up, we have Instrument of the Bards. This continues the legendary artifact cycle. It's a green mana for a legendary artifact. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a harmony counter on Instrument of the Bards. And then it has the activated ability. You can pay three in the green and tap this artifact. Search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to the number of harmony counters on Instrument of the Bards. Reveal it and put it into your hand. If that card is legendary, create a treasure token, then shuffle. So this is a powerful effect. Not going to lie. Of course it is, right? You get to climb this up. 
in turn one you play this turn two it goes up to one you can probably not have enough mana to use pay it at that four, point yeah but pay four mana to get a one drop and but you may put a harmony counter on it so you can sit this at like a two or a three and be like i need to get out my my circle of dreams drew and i'm going to keep this at three i have a bunch of really cool three drops okay yeah um, that's true but you don't get it onto the battlefield which puts it directly in comparison to like yisan the wandering bard or birthing pod even which oh, yeah, it just goes into your hand at the same time, though, getting cards into your hand and drawing specific cards with this, I can actually see this being played a lot if you really know your deck and you know what you want and you have key combo pieces at like two and three. Because I, I think know, once Jimmy, it, four mana is so expensive, though. Yeah, but if you're the, getting combo pieces, don't you want more efficient ways than paying four mana and a tap? Yes, but at the same time, not everyone has worldly tutors, and you know, I would say shared summons is a great card to be playing in decks if you want to just tutor creatures out. But I could see this incidentally, right, in a sort of a grindier matchup. You have, you know for a fact that like three is your sweet spot. It's got your Reclamation Sage in it. It's got your Merciless Executioner so that you can always grab that kind of card over and over again from your, from your library. Um, but this also wants you to bring out legendary creatures so you get treasures. So it's a little clunky, but I think the card itself has a lot of upside. It just takes time and mana. Yeah, I don't think I have enough time to spend on this. I think there is one way that you might want to use it is like let's say that you proliferate those harmony counters on it uh-huh. you know what i mean like let's say you get a pollen bright druid on two and then uh, you okay. proliferate the counters on it and then next turn you can get an atraxa and then next turn you can that'll pro- proliferate, proliferate as well again. and the next turn you get a six drop i think that then you things might be okay but you're still investing so much mana in that whole process yeah i'm not in love with this card but at the same time i don't think it's actually the worst thing in the world i think a lot of those sort of like toolbox type decks would want a little bit of redundancy and so this is a way to get it um but again you know it's vulnerable as an artifact but it's less vulnerable than i would say a creature like Yisan is but you have no little upsides here, downsides there. I, I think the four mana is where they really balance the power of it to activate it. If Man. it was cheaper than that, if it was like two mana, this card would be insane. But four mana is, I think, right at that right spot where you're okay with it. Next up, we have Long Rest. X, green, green, green for sorcery. Return X target cards with different mana values from your graveyard to your hand. If eight or more, if eight or more <laughs> cards were returned to your hand this way, your life total becomes equal to your starting life total exile long rest okay i'm just gonna put this out there this card is not that good um four mana to return one card you got regrowth five mana to return two cards i don't know that's not a good rate it's not a good rate i mean you have um once in future which is an underplayed card where Mm -hmm. you can pay four mana to get two cards back okay yeah and not to mention too the cards you get back they can't be two one two of them that have like three mana value you have to get a one drop and a two drop or a three drop and a five drop and there's almost no way sorry there's almost no way you're getting eight different cards because that means you have to get a one two three four five six seven eight I know they all have to be in your, yeah, they all have to be in your graveyard and you're paying 11 mana for that. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a huge, huge thing. I mean, look, we have Eternal Witness. We have Seasons Pass. We have Seasons Pass. That goes and gets those different mana values and that costs six. Yeah. You know, I think that just get Seasons Past, get Regrowth. Yeah, this has flavor wins all over it. Long rest in D&D are some of the most important things you can be doing. However, in this case, it doesn't seem like it actually busts anything open, and the card exiles itself, so it's not like you're going to sit there and recur it or whatever. So long rest, just okay. Um, But again, maybe you're the kind of deck that just wants a billion different ways to return cards, and that could be one of them. I don't know. It's like number eight in my my ranking. It's it's down low on the list. (laughs) I would much rather play a regrowth, right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. 
Next up, we have Ochre Jelly, which is a great name for a card. <laughs> X in a green for a creature ooze. That's a 0-0 zero, zero, with Trample. Ochre Jelly enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. When Ochre Jelly dies, if it had 2 or more plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, create a token that's a copy of it at the beginning of the next end step. The token enters the battlefield with half that many plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, rounded down. So... You want to have at least two plus one plus encounters on this, which means you're casting this for three mana. Easy to do. And then it comes back as a one one, and then at that point it dies. But if you cast this for, let's say, uh, four mana, or five mana, and it's a four four, when it dies it becomes a two two, when that dies it becomes a one one. So you can see how this scales up, and you get more jellies for the price of one. This to me reads like, hey, look, if you want like something that you can sack over and over again, a five mana ochre jelly that comes back as a two two, and maybe you have an ozolith out so Ooh. that the counters keep jump, jumping yeah. on the ozolith, moving stuff around, moving counters around, doubling up the counters. Like, yeah. imagine just just this with a doubling season. Oh yeah. I mean, you're making then two tokens that then still have more counters. And they ha almost always will have two counters on it. Yes. And it will just keep repeating itself. So Orca Jelly does go off in those decks, um, provided you have a sack outlet. Um, and it's cool because it's the beginning of the next end step, not your end step. So you can yeah. do this on other players' turns. So again, uh, it, it limits the combo potential because sometimes you'll get in those loops and you'll just want to sack, 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 sack. Right. You can't really do that because it's a trigger at the end step, but that's okay. I like this as a fair, fun ooze that just keeps sticking around rather than, a, oh, it's a combo piece you right know what i mean right uh, i love the space that oozes have dividing dividing up and the fact that this has trample means that it can go in sort of a big mana decks mm, ooze right. decks you know counter plus one plus one counter decks token decks all sorts of different decks can run this card i think yeah. it's great i think you're looking at this baseline as this is a two man uh two and a green three mana card that gives you two one one counters when it dies it gives you one another one one cast so three total one one counters over the course of this lifetime and you know if you have cards that can move yeah. things around. You need around. synergies with it. You definitely need, like, Gave yeah. is a great card, I think, with Ochre Jelly, just because it is able to feel it up or take the counters off, and you seem to get a lot of value off it. For sure. Tons of value, absolutely. All right, next we have Werewolf Pack Leader. Green, green for a 3-3 three, three human werewolf. Pack tactics. Whenever werewolf <laughs> pack such a leader weird combination attacks. of words. Sorry. <laughs> if you attacked with creatures with total power six or greater, this combat draw a card. Okay, that's uh, nice. It also has an activated ability, three and a green until end of turn. Werewolf pack leader has base power and toughness. Five three gains trample, and it isn't a human. All right, so pack tactics attacking with the werewolf pack over here. I know. Well, here's the thing. We used to be really impressed by a two mana three three, like watch wolf style. In limited, maybe, or or a standard, but certainly not. That was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this body in Commander is not, not good enough. Okay? Definitely not. But if you are playing an attacking deck, if you plan on having other stuff, what about just a creature that pressures your opponent that draws a card every turn? It, nah, every turn, DJ. You're going to be attacking with six power every turn. With the I mean, I mean there are decks out there that really want to do that. Just keep attacking. Because you sure. can attack with this, too, and that's already three power. Throw this in Xenagos, right? You'll double it up immediately. But you're n I don't think you're ever really want to try and pay the three and a green because it turns into a five three and doesn't hit the six power. No, I, I think that that's just the... I think that that's a distracting point where it's like, okay, yeah. if I just happen to have the mana... Because it's four mana to add two power. It's not that great. Not good at you all. Know, but how... 
having, trampled too. But just like having another three power that you attack with, like that's totally reasonable. Yeah. You know, there are tons of play this on two. There are tons of creatures on three that even have three power and haste. You yeah, know, in red only, green, like you mentioned. The only problem with Werewolf Pack Leader is that this card is very good on turn two and very bad later on. Actually, it's a little okay it later on because it can replace I mean? itself. But look. Suicided in with another attack and then you just draw a card. Wouldn't you just rather play a Beast Whisperer or a Great Henge type card that says, hey, or a Guardian Project where it says, look, you don't even need to necessarily attack and lose this creature because later on a 3-3 coming in, someone's going to be able to block that thing. It's going to be hard to get all that power. And you have to be swinging with six total power to draw a card. I don't know. There's just a lot of hoops to jump you through. Are, you are correct. Of but, course you're correct. But look, the Werewolf Pack Leader is still really cute it's a werewolf no and i think this is horrifying art what are you talking this is cute <laughs> it's for crazy some reason, i'm creeped out by this more than a lot of other maybe things my inner furry is coming out i don't know <laughs> but i feel like this card works great in those werewolf decks xenagos i could see making Every a case for deck. this because it is hard to block creatures in that type of deck and you need efficient fast creatures um and you can at the very minimum give it a trample if you need to so I think this is just right along the middle, but it's another cool card for the, I would say the tribal people that are looking for a werewolf deck um, and want to do something cool in that realm. Cool. Good. Otherwise, tr just trust me, green has plenty of ways to draw cards. Uh, don't necessarily tie it into combat because it, it will be a coin flip that sometimes you lose and it feels really bad to lose in the middle of a game. Okay. We're about to talk about a lot of classes in a row. These That's are right. brand new card types. So we're going to start with off with the mono green ones and then move into the multicolored ones. So let's kick it off with, which one do you want to do first? Ranger class. Ranger class. Ranger class is one in a green. When ranger class enters a battlefield, create a 2-2 two -two green wolf creature token. Okay. Okay. So two mana 2-2. Two -two. Fine. Not great though. Not okay. great. Next, next level up, one in a green. Whenever you attack, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature. Oh. Okay. Um, still just one plus one plus one counter, not your whole team, just one creature. Yep. So not really a commander effect. Let's keep going. Maybe Ranger class is going to pay off in the last level. Uh, three in a green to move on to level three. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast creature spells from the top of your library. Okay. Now that is a powerful ability that says, give me an extra card in my hand at all times. Green decks typically are more creature focused. So this might be able to get you a lot of value. Not to mention, you can sometimes go off and cast one, two, three things off the top of your library. However, the mana value of getting there is quite a bit. So at this baseline, it's a two mana two, two does nothing outside making a creature. You're not impressed by that. However, paying that extra two mana gives you a ability to give plus and plus encounters on attacking creatures, but just one at a time. Yeah, I know. It's not like Curse of Predation gives a, an attacking, uh, gives that plus one plus one counter bonus to your whole team. Right. And that's three mana. You know, Beastmaster's Ascension is a huge pump when you're right. attacking with it. So compare that to Ranger class. It's very limited um, attack ability. Yep. Yeah. And keep in mind, you can level up uh, at different turns. You can do it later on in the game. So if you're like turn two, play Ranger class, make a two to, but you don't level it up to the next thing until turn five or six that two mana you're putting in isn't that much and then the extra four mana on top so it's four two two so it's eight mana total to get to the vivian monsters advocate slash vizier of the menagerie vizier 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 vizier, vizier of the menagerie it's a good effect it takes a while to get there but if you are a creature based deck and you're already playing vivian and those types of cards maybe ranger class is an easy include for you yeah i think that uh, green could get a lot of value by playing off the top of your deck because they have things that can get the lands off the top like or right. moldaya of course or of crucifix so then being able to play a creature off the top too can be really great because you get all of, of that everything. is card draw you know what yeah. i mean um 
And I think that your point is well taken. We we look at this and we're like, well, it's eight mana to get the effect that I want. But you're saying, well, no, it's when you can pay things over installments, then it actually ends up being less because you can fit it into your game plan better. Yeah, if you're like, hey, I just have an extra two mana this turn. What can I do with it? Well, I don't have any cards in my hand to play, but I can definitely just level up my Ranger class. Maybe this lets me go to combat. Maybe this helps me synergize with something else that's a plus one, plus one counter synergy in my deck. And the four mana at the last of it, I would almost imagine it feels like you're casting a four mana spell. And to get that effect for four mana is pretty good. Yeah, I, I would play like that. This. I would play that spell for yeah. four mana. Um, and it's, it's nice. I mean, it does take a long time to get there, though. I don't know. Are you going to play Ranger class in your decks? I, it would need to be a very specific deck that wants it. I think I don't. I don't have like a green monster BD deck. Uh, and if it was mono green, I'd be more incentivized because you need more ways to get card advantage in those types of situations. Green doesn't need more card advantage. What are you talking well, about? I mean, mono green likes to do stuff like that, right? I would be playing a Corsair and a Vivian in a, in a monsters deck in green, and I could see Ranger class being good there. Okay. But I'd want to have at least some synergy with plus and plus encounters because just making your creatures a little bigger is fun, but it's not game breaking. Mm, okay. I agree. Right. What about the next one? This is Druid class. It's also one in the green, and it's an enchantment class. When you play it, it has the text that says, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. So it's a big meh. Uh, there are a Jotty lot of... Offshoot? Jotty offshoot, yeah. <laughs> like, like the, yeah, whatever. In, now, in the landfall decks, this could be something that gains you 10 life over the course of a few turns, which is crazy, but again, it's not amazing just by itself. You wouldn't probably play a one in a green enchantment that just gives you life gain off that. Okay. Um, but maybe you do. Next level, next level. When now you can pay two in a green to level up to level two, and it says you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Now that's a powerful effect, uh, much better early than it is later, unless you have card draw the pair with it. And level three for four in a green, that's a steep cost. When this class becomes level three, target land you control becomes a creature with haste, and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. It's still a land. So you might be able to pay five mana for this at later on, and you choose a land, maybe an artifact land, and it becomes a 15-15. That's kind of cool, but I don't think you're actually playing Druid class for that. I think you're playing Druid class for level two. I think you are too. Um, You mentioned something really, really good, which is that this effect is way more powerful the earlier you you are in the game. You know, because the later you are in the game, the extra land drops, they don't mean as much. And a lot of times you just don't have them. You need to pair it with card draw, like you mentioned, or you need to want lands coming onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. But there are decks that want that effect. And this isn't uncommon. You know, and every other effect that lets you lets you play extra lands. You know, even like Dried of the Elysian yeah, Grove. They're even all the, rares. the Sabertooth, you know what I mean? Right, like right. the um the dinosaur that does it. Uh Ray- they're all yeah, expensive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're all like exp- they're they're pricey cards. And so the fact that this is on an uncommon means that more people can have access to that effect. And I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, so I think if you're a landfall deck, this definitely seems pretty good because you're going to have ways to get lands into your hand. You're going to want to play additional lands. Um, and three mana, right? That is the cost of dry of the Elysian Grove that lets you just play an additional land. So that seems like about the right rate. And again, keep in mind, you're going to play this early on. People aren't going to really bat an eye at this. And if you're able to level it up early, and that's another way of getting lands on the battlefield. It's not as good as a Cultivate, but you still can get two lands on the battlefield with this, and you're basically paying the same mana cost. You just have to really make sure you're pairing this up with good card draw, ways to get more lands into your hand, and just sort of stock it up. And I think that um, I think that in a lot of pe- for a lot of people, they'll just kind of ignore this card because it doesn't measure up the same way as some of those other things that that we we like a little bit more. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Okay. 
Now we're going to move into multicolored, and we just have a bunch of classes here. We've yep. got We're going to put all the classes together because we're in the mindset of talking about it. Exactly. You know? And they can be difficult to parse a little bit because as you move up a level, we're focusing on the mana cost, but mm-hmm. we're not, it's hard for us to understand that we're not spending a card. You know right, what I mean? Like the right. card is already there. The investment of the card is already there. So it's good to kind of keep this all in our minds so that we can under, just kind of understand each of these cards. All right. So we got bard class, fighter class, monk class, rogue class, and sorcerer class. Woo, let's, let's kick things off with everyone's favorite class in D&D, the bard. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is red and green for an enchantment class. It says legendary creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on them. You can play red-green to level 2, and legendary spells you cast cost red-green less to cast. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you play. And finally, for 3 red and a green, whenever you cast a legendary spell, exile the top 2 cards of your library, you may play them this turn. Gruel legendaries matter. Not something we've seen. We've seen this with Kethis of the Hidden Hand and Abzan and Black and White, but not in green and red yet. That's really, to me, this is really interesting because it's a whole difference. And we've also seen it in like uh, green and white too, with yes. like Sisse and stuff like that. Correct. So we've seen legendary matters all in those Obzon kind of color pie. Mm-hmm. And then we have this bard class. But ultimately, I think that it's really good. And I love level two. Level one, a couple plus one plus one counters on your legendary creatures, fine. You know what I mean? But that level two can save you mana. And it's really cheap to pay. It's just red and green to do that. I, you know, I think maybe later on in the game, you do want to get to that last level. I could see you actually playing this in a five color deck, like a Tiamat deck that wants to find dragons. And typically those are legendary creatures. So there's a lot of five color cards out there. And red is the most common mana cost for dragons. So I could see that being really useful. Yeah. I I think it matters. You look, got to look at your mana and find out how often red green comes up. Because if you have, let's say you have like, to say whether like captain yeah. that cares about legendaries but it's in all five colors you might be like oh it's perfect legends and stuff like that you'll always get that plus one plus one counter which could be good but then the mana reduction is what i think is going to be the best yeah and then you're thinking okay well how many times am i actually reducing it by mana am i reducing yeah. it by just one when i cast a green spell or one when i do a red spell i think that what you really want to do is always have it be reduced by two and just put these creatures out one after the other after the other yeah, um, maybe this is like the Grand Warlord Rada deck or the Rada Heir to Kel deck Ooh. because that those ma- this makes those cards cost very cheap. And then you, I think you just sort of stack your deck with more legendary creatures, of which there are plenty in the Gruel colors. Um, and so there is a whole deck here that you could literally put Bard class into, and it's a perfect fit if you sort of theme your Gruel deck in that direction or your four-color, five-color deck just happens to be very heavy in the Gruel colors. Yeah, that last mode is pretty cool too. Yeah, that's uh, that's I mean, let's not sleep on that. It costs 5 mana, but like hey, you and the only problem is that you have to combine that with two spell right, you have to have enough mana, but you're in red and but green. But you're reducing the cost too. Exactly. Oh, that's a good point. That's a you're good point. You're paying that you're playing that, you know, Rada for 0. Yeah. And then you're exiling the top two cards and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to cast something else." And you can still reduce the mana cost by the level before it. I'm I'm in love with Bard class. Yeah, that's I like great. it a lot. I would like to see what people build it into and those decks might be really interesting. Maybe even it's a three-color deck, who knows. Yeah, for sure. Next up we have Fighter class, red and a white for this enchantment class. When Fighter class enters the battlefield, search your library for an equipment card, reveal it and put it into your hand, then shuffle. Sold. Good enough right there. Sold. To be played. Done. Straight up. There's more levels. There's more value one red white equip abilities you activate cost two less to activate sold Doubly sold again 
Level three, this is expensive, three red-white. Whenever a creature you control attacks, up to one target creature blocks it, this combat if able. Eh, less sold. Those first two, though, very good. Again, this is very similar to uh, to Bard class in that the second level makes you reduce the amount of mana you have to pay for something. So equip costs, this will give a lot of equipment, just straight up equip costs here. All the swords will have equip cost zero on them. Amazing. We've seen that cheating mana is really good. And when you're can, when you in an equipment deck and you need to move this equipment around, cheating that cost is amazing. People are already yeah. playing things that cheat mana like Cigar to Zade Cigar and stuff Zade, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but let's not overlook just first ability, like open the armory is played in 70% of equipment decks that can play it. Yeah. And that's just a equipment tutor it's just like hey two mana tutor mm -hmm. and equipment this is two mana tutor and equipment totally great and then everything else is gravy everything else is added in and awesome like yeah it's great by itself fighter class is an absolute staple now in any red white equipment decks because it just is an enchantment that finds you a card and tutors are very powerful and more importantly it has a level two that is extremely relevant mm. now should you want level three maybe you don't because maybe you don't want creatures to block necessarily or give, even, giving your opponents the option like hey like you don't have like this huge creature is swinging in you could block and lose your creature or just not block so i think up two is nice you get that choice but five mana for that you're probably doing more impactful things but hey maybe you have the extra mana because your equip cost costs nothing and like you have a commander sitting back there and I have a big equipped up creature. I might be like, all right, I just, this is my clunky yeah. combat based removal. But remember, this is free. You've already gotten your equipment out of it. You've already gotten your mana out of this. Now you're just saying, okay, my, my awkward removal is just already built into this card. It's great. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Um, and they're, they've been giving red, white equipment decks so many tools over the years. And this is a, just another step in that direction. All right, next up, we have Monk Class, white and a blue for an enchantment class. The second spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast, okay? And then you can level it up for white and a blue. When this class becomes level two, return up to one target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Eh. <laughs> At sorcery speed, by the way. Eh. And then level three is one of white and blue. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. For as long as it remains exiled, it has, you may cast this card from exile as long as you've cast another spell this turn. Oh, I so like that. So very much like the monks, they have double strike. It's about punching once and then punching again. So the immediate second spell casting each turn costing one less to cast is okay. That's mana reduction. And if I want to be casting multiple spells, I'm happy to have it cost a little bit cheaper. Yeah, I don't think it's that amazing, though. I think the this is kind of actually an underwhelming class of all of it. Now, it does cost only three mana to get to that last level. And it is nice to get that extra card value every single turn. That last level is quite good. I just think that we getting there is tough because, but mana reduction is good. Bouncing something, I think that's the, the wah-wah of yeah. the whole card. I think this is great in a spells matter deck. There's a lot of Jeskai decks like Kaikar or Shu Yun that wants to cast a bunch of stuff. And that second spell reduction is going to save you a little bit of mana. But more importantly, the level three is going to give you just a little extra fuel to keep making those spirits or to make your commander really you know popping off so i mean like i would actually maybe pair this with like a grand arbiter augustine deck you know people Ooh, hate that commander things even there's more. a lot of reduction to mana cost there there's also noyandar royal shaper who's all about casting instants and sorceries i think that's where you want to be you don't want to be casting like two creatures with this necessarily you're in white and blue it's more of the control colors play play to that world i think I like the idea of double double spelling and having the stuff be a little bit more more relevant for sure. Yeah. All right. 
What do we have next? Rogue class. Rogue class is blue and a black for, again, an enchantment class. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at it for as long as it remains exiled. Okay. You can just look at it. Okay. I can just, I exile your top card and I can look at it. Okay. It's exiled. That's pretty powerful, but. No, it's just, just mill. You can just look at it. I can look well, at it's, it. Though. It's better than mill. It doesn't put dangerous things into the graveyard okay. necessarily. Uh, <laughs> so then we have the next level. One blue black creatures you control have menace. Okay. Um, so now that's a first relevant ability on here so far. Um, five mana menace. Not great. Not great. Okay, then we have two blue-black. You may play cards exiled with road class. It call comes full circle. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So finally, you can use the spells that you exiled right. in the first turn. I feel like the first level should have been creatures to control have menace, and then the second level, right? Levels one and two, I could I could see being flipped here. But this is nine total mana to get to being able to cast those spells, and then you're spending mana to cast those spells. So... I don't know if this is awesome. It Maybe. is not awesome at all. Remember how we were talking about how this card, these cards are great because you can use one of the first two levels really relevantly and right. you're playing it for that. You know what I mean? And then if you just happen to get to the third level, it's when you have time, it's when you have space in the game right. and it's already there on the battlefield and finally you're like, okay, well, it's not efficient, but yeah. it's, it's there and I can use it and that's fine. This one, in order for it to mean anything you have to move through all the levels and so you are kind of bought uh priced in to spending that much mana and this is not an effect i want for that much mana if you there's a standard rogue mill deck that that this card might be good in because you're going to deal more damage and exile more cards and later on maybe you want to level it up but i think in general if you're looking for a mill strategy this first bit is not great because you're probably milling with other means like spells and yeah. maddening cacophonies, not creatures doing damage. So I think you need to be in a very specific deck to make this work. And more importantly, there are better ways to steal your cards from your opponents. Like, I don't know, is this good in Yuriko? Maybe, but Fallen Shinobi just as a card itself, I feel like is just better than Rogue Class as a whole. There's, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not in love with it, obviously. You can have access to a lot of cards because it's each creature will will mill or mill card, right, right? So you could theoretically have access to a lot of cards, but it's just so late game and so conditional that like just imagine you draw this off the top. And keep in mind if you're like, oh, turn two, I'll play this. Turn three, I'll level up. Turn four, I'll level up again. Where are the creatures you're casting to make this happen? What cards right? are exiled that you can you finally cast? Yeah, you need to also have the creatures be able to hit. So there's just a lot of things that need to get. You satisfied. just time walked yourself like three times in that in that. But now you too. can play all their cards. Everyone's oh, going to love that. Gosh. They're definitely not going to be targeting you. All right, the last one we have is Sorcerer Class. Blue and a red for an enchantment class. When Sorcerer Class enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard two cards. And you can play blue and a red to level it to level two. Creatures you control have tap, add blue or red, spend this mana only to cast an instant or sorcery spell or to gain a class level. So you can use that mana to then pay three a blue and a red to get to level three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, that spell deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of instant and sorcery spells you've cast this turn. So big storm payoff at the end there. You want to cast a lot of stuff. I, I'm just screaming Kaikar. Kaikar wins Fury all the way here mm. because your little spirits are going to be able to add blue and red and we know how powerful that is because I play Cryptolith right. <laughs> okay, so starting off as like the this looting is it charm mode, right. that's uh, fine. You yeah. know, I'm not like super excited. Sorcery about speed too, so it's not as impressive even though it's only blue and red. Yeah, I think it's that second level suddenly where things just suddenly open up because we know you mentioned yes. Cryptolith right. That's played in a lot of yeah, 16K decks. Yeah. You know, $16 card. 
you know, that is a, that is a card that people want to play and it's relevant. I mean, we don't even want to talk about earthcraft. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about earthcraft. $220 card. Uh, so being able to turn your creatures into mana is powerful. And so I think that's what we're going for. But yep. the, but the first mode isn't a throwaway. You know, the first mode smooths things out and lets you get to what you need to go. Yeah, I like Sorcerer Class actually quite a bit. I think that second level is really important, um, especially in decks. Now, it's kind of counterintuitive of creatures that can only use this mana to cast instant or sorceries, which means you have a lot of instant or sorceries. How many creatures do you have? So that's why I think it's really great in that Kaikar deck, specifically decks that have tokens, things that can really Tal-ran, use that. Murmuring Tal-ran, Mystic, oh, stuff like that. Yeah. Tauron yeah. is in the deck, but is yeah. the commander. Because then when you get to that final level, then you can just start going off, casting three or four spells a turn, and then each of those spells are doing tons of damage to each opponent. That is a win con in and of itself if you're able to just sort of storm off and cast a lot of stuff there. So. We've seen this uh, work with cards like Sentinel Tower or Sphinx Bone Wand. Oh, yeah. Casting your spells kind of uh, creates that damage. One thing that we noticed is that Sorcerer class, uh, this will do incidental damage. It'll be very difficult to cast enough spells to be able to storm off in a single turn, storm mm-hmm. off in a single turn and do that. But just doing your own game plan and doing damage, 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 and then yeah. being able to then do that again next turn, that's oftentimes enough to push through that extra damage. Yep. And you, you need sort of like lower cost spells to be able to chain them together. That's really where you're going to get the maximum benefit here. So what do we think of the classes overall? I think they're all really fun and really niche in certain strategies. And they seem like most of them are worth it up to level two. But getting up to level three is just a little too much, I think. I think that uh, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's it's niche, and that's what I actually really like about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the power level in this set is not this like oh universal staple kind of power level. It's like oh well, this deck loves this card, right? You know what I mean? The equipment deck loves this card. Red green legendaries is going to go crazy for this card. What deck is that? It's like a new deck. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like I like pushing people in those directions, mm-hmm. and D&D is a great way to do so because it's like, ah, this is a bard-themed thing, so that's kind of where it goes. Okay, we're going to talk about a couple more multicolored cards and, of course, all of the many artifacts and lands, but first, we're going to hear a sponsor from our mid-roll sponsors, our mid-roll sponsors. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Ruben, the Taylor 
Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Okay, let's get right back into it. We have a few more cards to go here before we cap off our Adventures in the Forgotten Realms set review. So we have a couple more uh, multicolored cards. Yeah, most multicolored cards are legendary creatures, which you can see in our legendary yes. you know, creature review, uh, or the classes. Uh, but then there's randomly two more cards that are like, all right, you know, we're let's multicolored too. Let's yeah. talk about them. Yeah. So the first up is Skeletal Swarming. Three, a black and a green for an enchantment. Each skeleton you control has trample, attacks each combat if able, and gets plus X plus zero, where X is the number of other skeletons you control. At the beginning of, at, at the beginning of your end step, create a tapped 1-1 one, one black skeleton creature token. If a creature died this turn, create two of those tokens instead. Okay, Ooh. so you're swinging with each skeleton every combat. Presumably, one of them is going to die so that at the end of your turn, you're going to make two skeleton creature tokens. This is very aggressive because your skeletons uh, enter at the end of your turn, so they're and they enter tapped, so you can't right. really block with them. And then your skeletons are forced to attack, you know. And it's pumping power only and giving trample. Yeah, you know? so they are kind of like like they'll probably be like three ones, two ones, four ones, kind of like Chandra makes those little three ones. So I think the the, the damage does add up if you get hit by three three ones, right? Yeah, that's a right. lot. That is, you did mention though that that you know the three ones that can be blanked pretty easily. Like in mm -hmm. commander, this is a five drop. If I just have a two, four and like a four, four, like suddenly you just run your skeletons into me every single time they die and they replace themselves. Hopefully you're going it. towards other people that are less able to block these things. Hopefully there's someone that can't block it because then it kind of builds upon itself. Yeah. You can get a bigger and bigger army because the more skeletons you have, the more bo boosts your power. Yeah. And so that could be pretty good. I think you you play this in a deck that has a bunch of sack outlets so you don't have to swing if you don't want to and you can use the skeletons to be mana for a Phyrexian or Ultra. Mm -hmm. And... You read this as going, okay, I'm always going to be able to make two one ones at the beginning of my end step because I'm the kind of deck that has creatures dying all the time. And that's just a five mana, two creature generator that sometimes can get in for a lot of incidental damage if the board looks nice and open enough. Because I about think that. That that's the best way to do it, honestly, yeah. because then you're, you're, you're using the tokens for other stuff. It's not just an attacky strategy. Yeah. So I think this is okay, uh, but it seems like it's a generator for a lot of decks. It's going to enable a lot of strategies more so than be like the skeleton deck because there i don't think there are enough cards to really make that a huge thing yet 55 skeletons yay not a lot of them are good there's some changelings, changelings. <laughs> yeah but you also don't want the changeling to have to attack each combat oh yeah enable, it's gonna right? force it's gonna force your cool things okay let me let me tell you a card that does make this card good okay death baron okay it pumps skeletons and gives them death touch oh trample death touch very good is definitely a thing and people will hate blocking with it and death buried is not a skeleton itself mm -hmm. so it, it will not be forced to attack very nice i actually like that quite a bit I, you may have found the perfect fit for this i know but there's honestly like there's the perfect two card combo but then you need a whole other like 98 cards to sort of make yeah. this work we talked about death priest of miracle it's uh the black card that pumps skeletons vampires and zombies so that that's nice too you get to pump out more of them and they're bigger and bigger and so i could see skeletal swarming being the kind of deck where it's just like if you don't deal with this maybe over time it will just end up murking you yeah killing you uh, I'd put this in a Grismold deck that cares about tokens dying. Okay. You know what I mean? I put this in a Chatterfang Squirrel General deck that uh. creates squirrels along with it. So who cares if, you know, it's just like you said, you know, leverage, leverage the tokens m more so than just attacking with them. Yeah, that's the value. You're getting free two tokens at the end of each turn if a creature died and you can use those for all sorts of different things. Yeah. Okay. Right. Next up, we have Triumphant Adventurer. 
white and a black for a 1-1 human knight with death touch. As long as it's your turn, Triumphant Adventurer has first strike. Whenever Triumphant Adventurer attacks, venture into the dungeon. Ah, it's on your turn. It has death touch, first strike. No one is ever going to block this thing. They have to double block it and lose a creature. Yeah, and if you pump it in any way, then everyone feels very bad. So uh, this is great as an attacker. It's not going to be your 1-1 death touch rats blocker. But hey... Again, this is the speed dungeon deck. This will almost always venture you into the dungeon every turn. Someone's going to be fine taking one damage from this because they don't want to block and lose a creature every single time. And it just needs to attack to venture. It doesn't even need to do combat damage. So I actually like this card a lot for the dungeon deck. And Absolutely. that's, that's about all there staple, is to say about staple it. Staple in dungeon deck, put it in your dungeon decks. Yep. Okay, that does it for the multicolored cards. Let's talk about the artifacts and then the lands. So the first artifact is a very famous item in Dungeons & Dragons. It's the deck of many things. This is a five mana legendary artifact. And it's a dice rolling card. So you can pay two mana and then you tap it to roll a d20. And then after you roll the d20 and get the result, you subtract the number of cards in your hand from that number that you rolled. So if you rolled a 20 and you have five cards in your hand, you subtract five and you get 15. Now, if the result is zero or less, let's say you roll a two and you have three cards in your hand, then you discard your hand. Ugh. Ugh. So you're almost never going to roll this if you have like seven, cards seven hand, right? Yeah, six, seven cards in your hand because it's just too scary. Yeah. So if you get one to a nine, you're going to return a card at random from your graveyard to your hand. Half if, the time it's, it's a card, but it's at random. It's at random. Okay. If you have 10 to 19 on the result, you're going to draw two cards. And it's going to be very hard to get 20 because it means you need to be hellbent with zero cards in hand and roll a d20. But it says put a creature card from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. When that creature dies, its owner loses the game. <laughs> I love it when there are cards that say that you're, that person loses the game or you win the yeah. game. Very hilarious if you're able to do that. You're going to want to pair this up. We've talked about a couple of the other dice rolling matters cards that give you extra dice rolls. But this is a clunky artifact. I don't know if I actually like it or not. So to get it on the battlefield is five. To activate it is two. So you're paying seven mana. And you are most of the time, like, hopefully drawing two cards. You're most of the time, I think, returning a card at random from your graveyard to your hand. Because you have to subtract the cards from your hand. Yeah, so if you have a couple cards in hand, then you're... And you have the risk of just discarding your whole hand. Yeah, then the only rolls, right? Like, the rolls that you can make, like, if you roll a 10 or an 11 and you have two cards in your hand, then you're not going to get the 10 or 11 effect. So your chances are actually more weighted to be at the 1 to 9. And so you're incentivized to lose the cards in your hand, do something with them, and then roll and draw cards with this. But... Two so, mana, maybe draw two cards. No, no. For five mana, that's not good at all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is not a good card, but I still might play it because... It's a fun card. It's a super fun card. I can't wait to get Hellbent and roll a crit, roll a crit 20, and then suddenly I pull your creature out of the graveyard, and I'm like, what? You want this creature to die? Yeah, if you have a sack out there <laughs> too, that'd be amazing, because you just insta-kill someone with the deck of Oh things. my gosh, or people have like removal, and they're like, oh, Jimmy, I have your life in my hands. Yeah. That is the reason to play That's this card. Bad. So I think that card has a lot of fun play around it, and the deck of many things is a card that is about not giving you the max right let's say you can have you can draw a really bad card from it in the game of dungeons and dragons so i like that it has that flavor but it definitely seems much more on the casual side and look if you're able to manipulate your your die rolls and go nuts and make someone do that and hit that 20 then go for it awesome well here's the thing it actually plays well with itself because you roll whatever you roll a zero because you have cards in your hand Uh you know and you roll poorly you have you are now empty-handed and then you can activate it next turn and go for that 20 
<laughs> okay. Synergy, Jimmy. Synergy. Synergy. Or return the card that ran ah. into your hand, and, and then, then you're like, like oh, great. No. I'm so glad I got this fetch land back. Or you get you get a card that you just discarded. Probably. Yeah, that would suck. That would suck. <laughs> Unless right. you have a way to craft your graveyard, but even oh, then, no. that, it's going to be very hard to make this card playable. Just do it for the memes. All right. Next up, we have Dungeon Map. Three mana artifact. Tap to add a colorless to your mana pool. Three tap. Venture into a dungeon. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay. So three mana rock that taps for mana, but more importantly, it is an expensive way to keep going through the dungeon. I played this on the uh, the game nights coming up because I played Sephiroth, and this got me through the dungeon quite a bit because I was always looking for a way to trigger that and keep going through the dungeon. But three mana is a bit pricey. This seems to be about the lowest that you're going to have to pay to get into the dungeon um, if it's not like on a creature or something. If you've got a... So here's the thing. This obviously goes in a dungeon deck. Is it good enough to go in non-dungeon decks? No, unless you have a way to untap it and tap it and do it a bunch, because again, getting through a dungeon, it's going to take a lot of steps. And the dungeon of the Mad Mage, the best one, it's going to take like a lot of steps. So it's going to be hard to justify this. Um, unless you just like doing it and having that extra mana, I would feel that you that extra those extra manas to spend into this could be better put somewhere else. I think activate only as a sorcery kills it. Because oh yeah, that a lot really of other sucks. Ones. Yeah, you can't even wait to hold it up. You have to do it on your turn, which like is like Bonder's great. ornament is not played a lot, but that like draws you a card. Yeah, all of the activate only as a sorceries reminds me of like rolling initiative in D anD. d You can't do something when someone else is going. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only do it when it's your turn. Oh, so hey, I think that's it's kind of good. Funny. I like that. All okay. Right. Okay, let's talk about a couple of legendary artifacts that go well with another card it's the eye and the hand of vecna so first up we have the eye of vecna it's a two mana legendary artifact when it enters the battlefield you draw a card and lose two life at the beginning of your upkeep you may pay two mana if you do you draw a card and you lose two life Eh, i don't like this i like that as an instant ability like you just play it and you draw a card i mean that's not a great rate two mana two life one card yeah, it's like old school Erebus, as you wrote down, which is one in a black to do but a similar I, thing. I activated that a lot, but actually... Uh, At instant speed, you need to wait till your upkeep to do it. I know. That's the thing that really like hurts you, is that you have to invest the mana in it before you know exactly what you're going to do for the turn. Yeah. Uh, whenever I have to do something on my upkeep, it's always painful because I invest the mana and then I'm like, draw the card and I'm like, oh, I would have changed my mind. Like, yeah. it, it, it makes it so that you're more likely to inefficiently use your mana and efficient use of mana and re- efficient use of resources right. is how you win games of magic i could see mono white mono red being okay with this maybe a deck that can flicker artifacts quite a bit and so this way you're you know you're bra going it every single turn but losing that two life isn't great and when you have you know cloud blazer in the brago deck do you really want eye of vecna i know i think any blue deck is like no no thank you yeah. I, and even black the thing that stinks is that it synergizes with the hand and the the book, book of, of, vile, of darkness. vile darkness but the problem is that black has way better stuff yeah you know i i think i would compare this to underworld connections where you it does take you a, a land, land to, yeah. in order to do it but that's one land one life whenever you want yeah you know, I think just another look at good. Arena, it's just a, just better in so many different ways. So I know the flavor is there if you're going to play this with the Book of Vile Darkness, but I don't really see this being played in a lot of other decks. Maybe again the mono red, mono white decks that are just struggling for card draw. I, but I think that we're getting those pieces. Like Endless Atlas, yeah. you know, is a two mana artifact that uses two mana to activate to draw you a card. It's played in a ton of decks. Mm-hmm. People are playing it all over the place, and I think that that's just better and more flexible than the Eye of Vecna. So I think Endless Atlas is going to keep that, you know, share of the draw ability and Eye of Vecna will just go in decks that want that flavor. 
Yep. And the Hand of Vecna is three mana for a legendary artifact. Equipment, at the beginning of combat on your turn, equipped creature or a creature you control named Vecna gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So you can have Vecna out with the Book of Vile Darkness, and you don't need to equip this. It just gets plus X plus X. Again, that's not ex assembling Exodia, probably not going to happen. But it's cool, the equip Hey, cost. don't tell me what's not going to happen. Okay, sorry, sorry. I'm going to do it, Jimmy. All right, take a picture when you do. <laughs> <laughs> there's two equip costs on the hand of Vecna. The first is pay one life for each card in your hand, which is kind of cool. And then there's just regular equip two. So I don't... Imperial Plate is something that adds power equal to the number of... Uh, equipment that adds power and toughness equal to the number of cards mm -hmm. in your hand. Uh, that's seen as like a budget, not strong piece of equipment. Yeah, not great. I, I want to put this in the Villas Broker of Blood deck because you could just start equipping it to different creatures and every time you're paying life, you're drawing cards for it. Ooh. So this just becomes life, a like life swap decks, right? You know, yeah. Switch switch life totals. You have like axis of mortality in there. Yeah, and yeah. So you just move the things around and switch life totals. Yeah. There's also Evra Halcyon Witness, where you just pay a bunch of life to equip it between two creatures, get down to one, and be like, cool. Now let's switch some life totals. Oh my gosh, Jimmy, you found the corner case where I love this card. Yeah, because just it's right. That's the thing that looks to me, and I go, oh, you can break that, which is like you can equip by paying life. So if you have a way to really mess with your life total, you just need two creatures to equip this back and forth. And blammo, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of life to do um, so. Imagine that finding a way uh, to get power by uh, using life instead of mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last artifact we'll be talking about is treasure chest. You want to read it, DJ? Sure. Treasure chest is three mana for an artifact. Tap, sacrifice treasure chest. Roll a d twenty. Yay! On a one, trapped. You lose three life. <laughs> On a two to a nine, create five treasure tokens. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, a 10 to 19, you gain three life and draw three cards. Oh. On a 20, you're crit. Search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, you may put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put that card into your hand, then shuffle. Oh, okay. That's cool. So you can get stuff out. Okay, so five mana to play this. Three, no, mana, three mana to play it. Four to activate and sacrifice it so you can't keep doing it over oh, and over again. Oh, no. You have to sacrifice it? Okay, I so know. let's say you pay seven mana and you sacrifice it and you roll a one. Um, sad face. Very sad face. Now let's say you roll two to nine, create five treasure tokens, seven mana, five treasures. You've lost two mana on the deal. Yeah, Josh Still might sad. have something to say about chromatic orrery in that card. Um, how about seven mana, draw three, gain three life? Still not impressive, but I'm not upset. You also don't get a guarantee, by the way. Mm. And how about, okay, fine. You have one chance to crit. You got one shot. This is your chance, blah, 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 whatever. Da, 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 da. Um, you're gonna get something. Maybe it's like a dark steel forge. Dark steel uh, colossus. Light steel colossus. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like you're already investing seven mana when you're talking about getting those really big things. Like how much are you cheating? Like if you're getting a mirror battle sphere, that's seven mana. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you need very specific artifacts that need to want those in your deck anyway to be able to cheat that much mana and. It's not even a guaranteed cheat. There's also just cheaper tutors that you can be playing. All the trinket mages and the mages, the treasure mage cycle, right? You could grab an artifact you really do want without having to pay seven mana and potentially not even rolling a 20. The rolling the 20 part, you I should know. just... We shouldn't even think about it. We it's shouldn't, a one really in really shouldn't even think about it. it should We're just focusing be on that. And like that's a, like... a very small cherry on top of a very expensive cake. So I don't think treasure chest is great. Very sorry. That's the draw three, gain three is the one we're like, okay, maybe we can hope and get that. And that's just not good enough. But you don't even get to keep the treasure chest around and it costs four mana to activate. Oh. So I don't like this card, unfortunately. I like the deck of many things better. 
okay. gear, you bring it back and keep doing it over and over again? For four mana each time, though, and you don't get a guarantee? Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem good. Now, if you if you love the draw cards and you actually want to, like, let's say, make treasures more so because you just want the artifact count on the board, then maybe that's okay. You can't even control it. You know what I mean? You Wouldn't it be funny if you just want the five treasures to be able to do stuff with it and you roll and you're just like, oh, I draw get to draw three, three and gain three. Okay, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> It's a bummer. It's, it's I need those treasures, and I couldn't guarantee. It's a bummer. I, I wanted to pay seven to get five. Treasures. Even if you get like the double dice roll thing, right? Like, and you can roll two dice. What if you roll two fifteens or fifteen and a seventeen? Then you still don't get the thing you want. Get out of here, treasure chest. It's I want not a like coin treasure. flips, right? It's not like coin flips where it's just A or B. In this case, there's four different options. Okay, Let, those are our uh, artifacts. Let's move on to five exciting new creature lands so and exciting. one very exciting land. Woo! All right, first up, we got Cave of the Frost Dragon. So this is a cycle. These are all creature lands. It's a land, if you control two or more other lands, Cave of the Frost Dragon enters the battlefield tapped. So it's like a fast land. Most times, is coming in play tapped in, in EDH. You can tap it to add white, or you can pay four into white. Cave of the Frost Dragon becomes a 3-4 white dragon creature with flying until end of turn. It's still a land. Oh, okay. Uh, Celestial Colonnade is in blue-white. Uh, it always enters the battlefield tapped, but it gives you invest five mana for a 4-4 four, four Vigilant. Okay. I think that Celestial Colonnade is a little bit better, but this can enter the battlefield untapped. Yeah, I think that's okay. I'm, I'm not in love with it. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're stretching for it, then this seems totally fine. Um, but again, not being able to have Vigilance means it will tap to attack, but it could be a blocker as well. It's not great. All right, next up, we got Den of the Bugbear. Again, same text across all of these. If you control two or more lands, this land enters the battlefield tapped. This one is a red land, so it taps to red. You can pay three and a red until end of turn. Den of the Bugbear becomes a 3-2 red goblin creature with whenever this creature attacks, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token that's tapped. And attacking, it's still a land. This okay. one I like, Jimmy. I like creating uh, one ones that stick around on the battlefield. Just imagine with this well, in a goblin attacking, deck. so someone could probably block it. Probably, but just imagine this in a Perforos deck or a Goblin okay. deck. You know what I mean? This ah, one one go. Goblin Perforos deck. Uh, now I like the, the how what you're saying. Yeah. So this one one Goblin just becomes a little bit more relevant uh, than you might think. I mean, I would much rather have this. You know, add another creature to the battlefield, even if it's tapped and attacking, than pay more mana to get three damage in the air. Yeah, no, at the very least, let's say you have a Goblin Bombardment, you can at least do something with it. So that's mm -hmm. not bad. That's not bad. Okay. Um, next, next up, up is Hall of the Storm Giants. By the way, Blue getting a lot of giant love these days after we got out of Kaldheim. Again, if you control two or more lands, uh, other lands, this enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap to add blue. For five in the blue, this land becomes a 7-7 blue giant creature with ward three. This is big game. Six mana for a 7-7 seven, seven, that could do a lot of damage. I could see that being a big deal. And it's really hard to target because they have to pay three extra mana to do so. I think that this just slots in perfectly to giant decks. But I also think that a lot of other decks might say, look, I just need something big. Like this is big enough to be relevant in commander, even though paying six is a lot. Mm -hmm. Like by the time you're activating any of these lands, you know, it's pretty late in the game. So you need something pretty impactful. And a seven, seven could be that. Yeah. And it will probably hit someone really hard. Not to mention you're holding up six mana a lot. Now we've seen with the sublime epiphanies and stuff in the blue deck. So having a creature land, this actually seems the most playable to me so far. Next up, we have Hive of the Eye Tyrant. This is the black one. If you control two or more other lands, Hive of the Eye Tyrant enters the battlefield tapped out of black. For three and a black until end of turn, Hive of the Eye Tyrant becomes a 3-3 three, three black beholder creature with menace. 
And whenever this creature attacks, exile target card from defending player's graveyard. It's still a land. Okay. All right. So this is a way to get rid of cards and graveyards. Again, it's conditional. You have to wait to attack, and it has to be the defending player that you take it from. It's got menace, so we'll probably get through. This one is... uh, uh, I think I like this one the least, but it has the best art. Put the, <laughs> yeah, put the, the alternate art up. The uh, art is pretty cool. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it's it's okay. Again, I, I still like the blue one the most. The last land is Lair of the Hydra. So again, if you control two or more other lands, this enters the battlefield tapped, taps for green, and for X in a green. Until X of turn, Lair of the Hydra becomes a XX green Hydra creature. It's still a lamb. X can't be zero. Woo! Now this okay. is the new front runner. You can just sink a ton of green mana into this, and then you have something truly relevant. Yeah, and if you got a Hydra-based deck, you have ways to grant this trample this could definitely be a game ender slash threaten to end the game towards the late game i like this one the most because like it has x in the green and hydra is a very relevant uh creature type i think for commander players so that's okay yeah so overall these lands are pretty i'd say mediocre um you're gonna find them no, sl- creature lands are solid i think that the creature lands are are much better than people think i think that they're almost always gonna enter the battlefield tapped which takes a huge amount away from them if they were like the battle bond lands or if it was you know they could enter the battlefield untapped then these would be way way better i just think you are really limited in general of how many tap lands you enter the battlefield tap lands you can play and so this feels just a couple of them are okay i think that I think that if you're talking about uh, your utility land slots, uh, these could be better than a lot of other pieces of utility land, especially, yeah. I think they're especially relevant in certain playgroups. So if you find that uh, you need to threaten planeswalkers, if there's a lot of board wipes that need to get back mm, on the board, yeah. uh, if uh, you're in long grindy games, then you need to be able to threaten life totals or attack on different axes than you normally do. Yeah. Uh, all creature lands just become a little bit better. Okay. But that's why I like the Hydra one the best because you know, this can yak enters the battlefield tapped, but in the late game, when things are grinding down to a halt, you could just be like, all right, nothing in hand, nothing. Boom. Sink all your man into it. Make this big thing and suddenly threaten your opponents. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. All right. So those are the creature lands. Great points all around. I think again, you know, it will be dependent on how you're playing the game and what your play group is about, but this, they could be pretty decent. I just don't like the enters the battlefield tapped part of it. All right. We have two more lands to talk about. The first is dungeon descent. It's a land that enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add colorless mana, or you can pay four mana and tap it to tap an untapped legendary creature you control and venture into the dungeon, activate only as a sorcery. I'm out. This card sucks. They were petrified of the dungeons were going to be too good. Yeah. Like four mana and an untapped legendary creature to get this going. That's so much. Here's the question. Do you even play this in your your dungeon tribal deck? Like, I mean, probably just because you want to, right? Like if you need to finish a dungeon and this is your only way of doing it, Think about this in Sephiroth. Three, it's three mana, different colors. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you want you want your colors. The center's tapped. It doesn't fix you. And it's four mana tap, tap a legendary creature. How many legendary uh, creatures are you even playing? Unfortunately, there just aren't enough enter the dungeon, venture into the dungeon abilities. So I think this still goes in the running. Ugh, it's just annoyed not, by it. I would be happy. annoyed every time I activate this. I think if you're going to have to tap an untapped legendary creature, right? That's just a lot of hoops to jump through. That at least it would cost two mana or three. Uh, but even then, you we already just talked about uh, a, a dungeon map that does it for three mana. Every turn. I know. And it's a mana rock on top, so. Sorcery speed too, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Next, let's talk about treasure vault. Woo! You're not you're not finding some little treasure chest. You're finding a whole vault of treasure. Yeah, very this relevant. artifact land can tap for a colorless. 
XX Sacrifice Treasure Vault. Create X Treasure Tokens! So, treasure for everyone! This land is just great all around. If you don't understand why, one, Artifact Land means it counts towards artifacts. So if you have constructs and stuff running around, this is going to count towards that. Two, this is a land that taps for mana untapped, and later on in the game, let's say you have 10 lands in play, and you and you just don't do anything with it, and you have the treasure vault. You can pay five, X is equal to five on your end step, sacrifice one land to get five treasure tokens. Now you have nine lands plus five, you have 14 mana for the next turn. So it's one of those cards that gives you that flexibility to make a lot of treasures at instant speed, and that can affect your artifact count. But more importantly, it, it may mean that you're, you don't want this treasure vault around because you'd rather make a bunch of treasures with it. Even if you, let's say you can replay this from your graveyard because you have like a crucible of worlds or whatever, then you're constantly using this with your extra man to make even just one or two treasures. You're getting a lot of incremental value there. This land is just fantastic all around. Yeah, having an artifact on a land is so good too. We've seen that in artifact, ways that you can manipulate artifacts, move it to the graveyard, move it back again, sacrifice it, yeah. animate it, stuff like that. Um, and I think that what you've mentioned, the play pattern of being able to go from 10 to 15 you know, that is really powerful because a lot of times what pushes you over and wins a game of Commander is double spelling, triple spelling, mm -hmm. being able to have that extra mana on that critical turn. And this lets you do it for no, like the floor is still, oh, it's colorless. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you even just do the three red, red mana thing that gives you mana for each tap land and then you just pump that on the treasure vault. Blam, you're just making a ton of treasures and, you know, just you're going to have that big mana turn as a result of a card like this. It looks innocuous on the surface, but this is definitely the chase rare, I think, of the set for the lands. So Jimmy is moving on to what we think is their favorite and the most powerful. Do you think that Treasure Vault is the most powerful card that we've talked about today? I think so. It goes in every single deck, pretty much. And every single deck could use it. And it's just a great land that just feels good. It I has so much upside to it. Totally agree with you. Uh, I have Treasure Vault picked as the most powerful card from the ones that we've talked about today. Yep. Um, what's your favorite card then out of this set? Because this one actually kind of might alternate with my most powerful too. I like the lands a lot. I think the Lair of the Hydra is really cool. Yeah, if you like have it. big If you have big green decks uh, or if you have a Hydra deck, I think that you're going to definitely want to play uh, Lair of the Hydra and just having something threatening uh, that you can add your mana base mm -hmm. uh, means that you don't have to find a spot in the rest of your deck in the nine in the other you know other cards yep uh, I think my favorite card, if not the most powerful, is the Circle of Dreams Druid. It's the guy's cradle on an elf druid that's just green 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 to play. Going to be one of those cards that does a lot of work, and I think the fact that they're willing to put this effect back into cards, but not on a land necessarily, is a great sign for commander players, because it really fits right into that power level that I think is the sweet spot, where it's not a 10, but it's between a 7 and an 8 to a 9, and that allows you to really be competitive at the table and have fun, and still do really impactful stuff and ramp and do all that good stuff. Now, does green need it? Probably not, but green goes into a lot of other colors, and that means that this could be a great card in a lot of different decks. I think that one thing that you described just then uh, applies to the entire set, which is that there are these interesting, uh, not nine level mm -hmm. powers, but like definitely playable in a lot of different strategies. And I like totally. that. I like that power level. I don't think that we're freaking out talking about Modern Horizons 2 level, <laughs> levels of power. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're not like, oh my God, it's the most powerful, but we're finding niche spots for each of these cards. And I, and I like that a lot. Yeah, I do too. I think that's a great way to help bring more players into the format is just giving a great entry 
point that doesn't feel oppressive with like, oh man, you gotta get these five cards from this set, otherwise you're toast. It's like, no, you can build a cool dungeon deck, and there's a precon yeah. to go along with it, and there's a bunch of cards that aren't game-breaking, but they'll make your deck powerful, and they'll flow, and they'll give you that experience that we're all looking for when we play Magic, which is just like, cool, I play my cards, I sequence things right, and I'm doing cool things and interacting with the table and, and feeling like I'm in the game the yeah, whole time. Yeah, I'm glad, I hope there isn't, but I'm glad that there isn't uh, like a nine or ten dungeon deck, you know what I mean? Yes. Where everyone's oh, like, alright, we're doing dungeons that Ugh. way. I like that the power level of, there might there might be a... Who knows? There might be a... Um, we're, maybe stay tuned. Scan, yeah. Stay tuned. We'll see. Stay tuned for the, maybe the ones that infinite combo through dungeons over and over again. Uh, <laughs> I that's am coming excited, up later. Though. I think the power level of AFR is exactly where I would hope it would be. We can't just be... Get, we're getting so many new cards if we just got tons of powerful stuff all the time. It'd be overwhelming. So very happy with this set as a whole. I don't want to be going like, this is amazing. This is amazing for every card. I want to be like, this is just mediocre and it's totally fine. Great. All right. Tell us what you think down in the comments. What are your favorite cards? Do you like the power level of this? And what specific decks are you going to be playing these cards in? Yeah. And tell us about those creature lands if you think that I'm right or DJ's right, or maybe we're right in the middle. Oh, I think they're good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell and us. make sure if you want to pick up these cards, buy that treasure vault right now. Go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. You get the exact same prices, but you also get to support the show at the same time cardcame.com slash command zone just type that in also ultra pro products while you're there or at your local game store or go ahead and support our kickstarter if it's still up for our kickstarter deck boxes these are limited supply the link will be below make sure you go ahead and purchase them this is going to be an awesome product for you to travel with your decks two 100 double sleeve commander decks fit inside this as well as a middle slot for dice or even a 60 card modern standard whatever deck that you want so make sure you grab these deck boxes they're only going to be here for a limited time i can't wait to get my hands on one i'm sure you can't either uh, we don't have an end step because we have too many episodes. Yep, that's right. So we're going to go to the cleanup step. So a big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, Gorov Galati, and of course, big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the Living Card animations that start off our show on our YouTube channel and sometimes live behind us here on set. You can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. Okay. That wraps it up for this. Make sure you check out the Legendary Creature Reviews as well as the AFC, the Commander decks. We're going to be talking about those cards mm -hmm. as well in future episodes. Tons of awesome cards. Hope you guys enjoyed this and found some pleasure and found some cool combos and synergies that you're going to be tinkering with soon. All right. See you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.